Turning your Bibles to 2 Timothy. And we're still going to be in Galatians, but I'm just starting over in Timothy by way of introduction because we're going to be in Galatians chapter number two. We've got uh, three places, four places we're going to go this morning. And this is continuing on with that sermon Bible study kind of thing we were doing as we worked through Galatians. And uh, we'll just start off here in chapter number three of 2 Timothy. And this is Paul writing the letter to Timothy. And he says in verse one, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of themselves, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. And... uh, I look down at uh, verse number seven. He says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then he goes on. And then look over in 2 Timothy chapter number four. In 2 Timothy chapter number four, along the same lines, he's talking to Timothy. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. I want you to remember that word doctrine this morning. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. And then he goes on to talk about the ministry. But this morning, I want to talk to you about knowing your doctrine and standing for your doctrine. And we're, then we're going to go, we're, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 2 from here on. Let's have a word of prayer. Amen. Now, over in Galatians chapter number 2, we look at Paul. And this morning, I, we, I just went over there in 2 Timothy because Paul's talking about in the last days, perilous times shall come. I think we're in the last days. That's easy for a preacher to say. A preacher in 1960 could say it just as firm as a preacher in 2022. Because we don't know when Jesus is coming back, and if you're setting a date, I worry about hanging around you. He says he'll come as a thief in the night. But he said you'll know the time and the seasons, and we see some times and some seasons going on. We're not going to go into all that this morning, but as we approach those times and seasons, as we get closer, you want to know what you stand firm in. I remember hearing a story about Vietnam veterans that were over in the uh, Hanoi Hilton over there in prison, and uh, I think I'm mixing up stories now. This was Harlan Popoff. Uh, one of the fellows there knew a verse, another fellow knew another verse, and that's what kept them going, knowing their Bible, knowing what they had learned. And some of them were reaching way back to Sunday school, but that's what gave them comfort in the Lord was remembering God's word and knowing what God had taught. And Paul, as he goes into Galatia, as he speaks to the church at Galatia, he's about to rip into them kind of. But in a good way, because over in chapter number three, he says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently been set forth? 
Somebody had come into the church at Galatia and began to teach them another gospel. He said, it's not the gospel that we taught you. And he's, he begins to set them straight. Now, the, the argument is the grace, grace and law, grace and faith, or the law and faith. The, the dichotomy between the two, the split between the two, between keeping the law. Some would come in and say, you've got to keep the law in order to be saved. All this, you know, believing in Jesus Christ, that's good. But you've got to keep the law or you're not going to be right in the eyes of God. You're not going to get to heaven if you don't keep the law. And Paul writes the book of Galatians to fight against that. Uh, Martin Luther, who nailed the 95 theses on the door, he was there in Germany, and the Catholic, he, he came out against the Catholic Church because they were all about the law. They were all about keeping the law in order to be saved. And Martin Luther saw for himself when he read, and Galatians was his favorite book. He called it his Catherine. Catherine was his wife. And he loved the book of Galatians because it tells us about the, the grace that we have in Christ. It tells us that we don't have to keep the law to be saved. <clears throat> Over in chapter number one, we took a look at Paul's life. We took a look at Paul's calling, the preacher's calling. Over in chapter number nine and, and him remembering Stephen and that hanging with him through his life. We get to chapter number two here and it kind of continues along that line. But the theme here in chapter number two is how Paul established the doctrine that he believed. And as Christians, we need to know what we believe when we stand against someone. And over here in chapter number two, we also see Paul standing up against those that were wrong outside the church. And he also stands up against someone that's wrong within the church to straighten them out. And it's not in a mean sort of way. It's simply when you know something is so, you want to make sure it's lined out. Because there will be people to twist the word of God. There will be people to twist things. And let me tell you, Christian, somebody can just give you a little scripture here and give a little scripture over here. And if somebody has no clue about what's in the Bible, or maybe they got just a little clue and it's like, I hear Bible. I hear this going on. But maybe they hadn't studied enough to where they start to believe and someone starts to pull them away. And this is one of the ways people get pulled away is uh, you, you have to do this in order to be saved. And when someone gets their salvation in your hands, they can control your life. Jesus didn't free us up to be controlled by other people. When I've looked at cults, you know, and I've, I've looked at different cults that have, I've kind of studied them, kind of. Or I've learned about them or just, just watched or listened to podcasts about them or, or just looked at different ones. I've always been kind of fascinated ever since Jim Jones. I was always afraid somebody was going to bring up Guyana against me, you know, and bring up Jim Jones. Nobody ever has, but I learned a lot about what happened there. And some of the things that I read, you know, Jim Jones, it was all about Christian love and Christian charity and all of that. But what, when you really got down to the nuts and bolts, it wasn't a church. It was about a man. And he had their salvation in his hands. However, he did it. It was a social gospel that he had. And if somebody knew their Bible, they wouldn't have got drawn into that. But you get drawn in by bits and pieces, bits and pieces, and you get drawn away from the word of God. You get drawn toward that man, and that man takes control over everything that you have to the point where if you've ever, you probably hadn't, if you've ever heard the tape, it's still on YouTube, 
the last tape that was underneath his chair before, while they were handling out, handing out the Kool-Aid. And it's a sad tape. And all of these people, they had the Christian drawings. They had the, they had the colorings. You know, the kids were coloring pictures of Jesus, and they were hanging them up on the different huts down there in Guyana. And, man, it, you go down there, you would think it was vacation Bible school or, or Bible camp. But under the surface, it was a man controlling everything. And that, my friends, is what's so great about the book of Galatians because it frees you from man. Because if man has control, if, if, if you have to follow a man's law or if, you have to, if, if someone else is holding you accountable to something that they say they stand in between you and God, they can have control over you and your salvation. They can tell you what you need to do. They can tell you that you need to be well, and we should be. Some of them put us to shame going door to door. But it's a part of their salvation. You know, they got to do it for the kingdom hall. They got to go and visit. I've gotten, I've, I've seen a new tact. I've gotten handwritten letters in the mail. It's like, man, you got to admire the gusto, you know, but not the message. Because knowing your Bible keeps you from falling for it. So Paul... Paul says that uh, when he gave his testimony there in chapter number one, he says, but verse number 15, he said, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. And he's talking about the Gentiles. He said, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. See, Paul was an apostle of God. Jesus Christ had, had selected him out, had, had chosen him and saved him directly. He had a mission for Paul. Paul went to Jesus and learned directly from him, just as he had disciples did. Paul talked about being an apostle born out of time because he wasn't there with the disciples when they were walking with Jesus. He came along way later, and Jesus struck him blind on the road to Damascus. We don't know how it happened. We don't know if he saw Jesus and he was sick. We don't know. But he said, immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. And I think the Holy Spirit began to open up the scriptures. Paul knew so many scriptures and the Holy Spirit began to say, Paul, you remember? You remember the time Moses in the wilderness lifted up that staff? The snakes had come in as a judgment and had bitten everyone and they were dying. And Moses held up that serpent on the staff, just like I told him to. And all they had to do was look on that staff. I once told Nicodemus over in chapter number three, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. As, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. And Jesus was lifted up on that cross. And all you have to do is turn to him. I love going back to that story, you know, that picture, because there were people in the tent saying, no, that doesn't make any sense. Why should I have to look on a serpent? Why should I have to look on that staff? It's a snake that bit me, and it's a snake that's killing me, and I'm not going to make it. Dad, all you got to do, Moses said, all you got to do is look at the serpent on the staff. This is also where rightly dividing your Bible comes in, right? Because we don't look at a serpent on a staff today. But it was a picture of Jesus Christ who was to come. He said, no, I'm not going to do it. And he watched your father die without God, without salvation. That's a tough thing. Because he just wouldn't look on that cross. 
And I think, I think Paul, as he began to look back and he said, well, here you are, Lord, in the wilderness. Moses struck the rock and then the water came out. And then the second time he was supposed to speak to the rock. Those types and pictures. And I think Paul saw the law and what it pointed to and he said, man, you never were satisfied with that blood, those blood sacrifices, were you, Lord? No, I wasn't. I had to shed my own blood on the cross for sins. That was the only thing that would make a payment. Paul said immediately, I confer not with flesh and blood. You know, the part that really got him was, I'm sending this gospel. I'm sending you to the Gentiles, Paul. See, Peter had already found out over in Acts chapter number 10, or, uh, well, Peter later found out in Acts chapter number 10, God, Jesus was sending his disciples to the apostles, he was sending them to the Gentile over there in Acts chapter number 10. Cornelius, Cornelius and his family gets in there. He kind of had to smack Peter on the head a little bit. He had that vision up on the rooftop and he saw the sheet let down and all manner of four-footed beasts and creeping things. And the Lord said, Arise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, Not so, Lord, for nothing unclean hath ever touched my lips. Three times he let that sheet down. And he said, There's going to be some men at the door. And he opens his eyes, and Cornelius' men are knocking on the door. They've been traveling for days, and he goes down, and they begin to tell him the story of Cornelius, who had sent them, because he wanted to know how to be saved. And Peter said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And Gentile, that's where you got in. You didn't have to keep the law. You had to look on Jesus Christ. He said, I conferred not with flesh and blood, and it was something different. He learned it from Jesus Christ. He says, neither went I up to Jerusalem, verse number 17, to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other the apostles, I saw none, save James, the Lord's brother. And he say, what does this have to do with me? Knowing your doctrine. Knowing what you believe, you're a lot more confident when you're telling, when someone asks a question, if you've been studying your Bible, if you've been learning those things that you believe. <coughs> Is this a little too, too lofty? Should I get much down into the corn a little further? I don't have it. I mean, other than the cults and other than, I mean, you have people, well, I just believe. How many times I've heard that? Well, I just believe. Well, why do you believe that? Well, my pastor says, what does the Bible say? That's why Bible believer, you know, you may not have got what you want, but you got a Bible believer. And uh, it's knowing your Bible. So Paul learned, first of all, he learned, he affirmed what he knew. Chapter number two, skips a little ahead. He says, then 14 years after I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. And he says, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Now, Paul, who'd been taught by Jesus Christ, who'd been in illuminated by the Holy Spirit, went to the apostles to confirm the doctrine. 
because there was some doubt coming in. Because there were some coming in and saying, you got to be circumcised. That's good to trust Jesus Christ, but you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. And Paul goes to them and he confirms the doctrine and he goes to them privately so that there's not a big argument, but he goes to confirm what he knows. You say, where does that come in from me? Well, it's not just you and Jesus Christ. It's finding a good teacher. It's finding someone who can teach you, you who can confirm what you already know. When you're looking for a church, it does matter which one you go to. They say, well, they're all alike. I'll just go to one or I'll go to the other. It does matter where you go. I was in one for... I was in for one for a while, and I thought, well, everything lines up. But there was this one, and I was kind of spiritually asleep, because when I came out here, you know the story. Came out here, I really didn't expect to preach again. I, just, I was just getting into church. I was, I was recovering, kind of. Not from alcoholism or anything, just from kind of being beaten up, kind of weak that way. But I got into church, and I got busy in the back of the church, and yeah, I'd hear some things, and it's like, what is that? I really didn't know. I tell you what, when you start to wake up, you really start to hammer out, what do I really know? What is it that I believe is different from what's going on over here? How is this different? And I'm not going to go into all that, but there's so many things that are just so close. You've got to be careful. And where you go. All right, do you all follow me on that? Did I lose anybody? All right. He says, but privately to them which were of reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. Look over in Acts chapter number 15. This is where the kind of Bible study portion comes in. Acts chapter number 15. This is Paul and Barnabas. And they're going up to Jerusalem. They're going to talk to the apostles. It says, and certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. It was revolutionary to say that you only needed Jesus Christ because they'd been following the law of Moses for centuries. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dis- disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phinehas and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. And when they were come out to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. They gave a missionary report. Amen. It says in verse number 5, But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed... These were Pharisees that had gotten saved, that had trusted Jesus Christ. But it's kind of hard to let go sometimes. It's kind of hard to let go of those things that you were established in. It's kind of hard to let go of those things that gave you status. It's like, I've mastered this, and I can serve God with this. I've kept the law. I've kept the commandments. I've followed everything, and I taught other people, and I'm special. You go over into Romans chapter 2, and it's the Bible study part. We're not going there now. But you read over there in Romans chapter 2, and Paul's trying to tell them over in Romans, there's no difference between the Greek and the Gentile, that God is the same God over all. And that even though you think you know something, 
You think you're teaching others because you're a Jew and you've learned it and you, you think you've got a better revelation. It was all given to the Jew and you're going to show the Gentiles what for and you're going to show them how to do it. And Paul says, no, it's through Jesus Christ. It's through faith alone. So, but there arose, verse number five, but there arose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, this this gets you the setting for the book of Galatians, because when we get into chapter number three, oh, you foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? You see where Paul, he's confirming his doctrine. He's affirming what he knows, and he's going to the Gentile, going to the uh, apostles. Verse number six, and the apostles and elders came together for to consider the matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. That's over there in Acts chapter number 10. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And that was the sign that was given through the talking, talking in tongues. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? All down through the centuries, they had the commandments, they had the law, but they couldn't keep it. Over in Sunday school, we're reading where David fell short of keeping the law. David was worthy of death for what he did to Uriah the Hittite and Bathsheba. It couldn't be kept. He had the sure mercies of David. He had God's grace that was given out time to time, but the law was put there for them to keep. And he said, we weren't able to do it. He said, now why are you trying to put the yoke on, on the Gentiles? Why? that now they have to be circumcised and now they have to keep the law of Moses. Jesus Christ died on the cross. He said, it is finished. It said, uh, verse number 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath, and that's Peter, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophet as it is written. After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. So that's just, that's kind of getting into extra, but that's when Jesus Christ said, tear this temple down three days, I'll build it again, because it's the temple of his body. It's, and to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. All right, so verse number 17, but the residue of men might, but... The residue that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning. Wherefore my sentence is that we not trouble them not, trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day, 
Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief of the men and brethren, and wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles, elders, and brethren send greeting unto the brethren, which are the Gentiles. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words subverting your souls. That sound like what we've been talking about? Some that trouble you subverting your souls, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. And then they wrote the letter. So I know that that's a lot, and this is more of a Sunday evening thing. We don't have Sunday evening. And, you know, sometimes I just kind of throw it out. It's like, well, why preach it? This, this is what I want to say in so many sermons, some of these things. Let's just teach it, right? So Paul and Barnabas go, and they get confirmed in their doctrine. Go back to Galatians chapter number 2. Verse number 3 said, But neither Titus, who was with me being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised, and that because of false brethren unawares brought in, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us unto bondage. So knowing your doctrine will keep you from bondage. Knowing your doctrine will keep you out of man's hands and keep you in God's hands. To whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. And then the other part of this, knowing your doctrine and standing up against the false doctrine. Because you can know it and you can walk away, and it doesn't mean that you start a fight with everybody. Let me tell you something. The Bible believers, the young preachers that, that walk in mighty match circle, <laughs> they, they've learned so much Bible, they're ready to rip somebody's head off with it. You know, and it's, it's, it's just, you know, you've got to have the truth in love. Otherwise, you're just a, a sounding brass. Nobody's hearing you. But they're still taking a stand. They're still not compromising in your own life when you have the doctrine. He said, but of those who seem to be somewhat, verse number six, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accepted no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was com committed unto Peter. Peter was... The apostle to the Jews, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And that's something else to understand, is that God gives us different ministries and different purposes. And there's a tendency to say, well, you're not doing it the way that I'm doing it. You're not witnessing the people the way that I am. You're not... You know, I, I love the way of the master, right? And I'm talking, you know what program I'm talking about. We looked at it all summer one year. Uh, Ray Comfort there, he taught a, taught a way to witness. But I'm also aware there's other people that witness a different way, and God uses them. And uh, I don't know, we might have to take this offline. But you know, you know y'all know how I am about the King James. But. There's people preaching out of other Bibles that are still leading people to the Lord. 
Yeah, y'all think I'm getting soft in my old age. I'm an independent fundamental Baptist and I preach the word of God and I'm happy. (laughs) Amen. All right. I say that, but I'm still an independent fundamental Baptist. All right. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the the right hands of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, now that's the Gentiles, and they unto the circumcision. Only they would that we should remember the poor, the same which I was also forward to do. Now, they're standing up against false doctrine outside. But then there comes time when someone within your own circle, they may be getting off the track. This time when I was spiritually asleep, I remember a fella coming to me. I say I was spiritually asleep because all I was worried about was the soundboard every Sunday. I'd hear the preaching. I'd hear the sermons. But it wasn't the same kind of preaching that I was used to. It wasn't the same kind of Bible believing I was used to. I, I was just... I was there. I made sure I was in church, but it wasn't, it wasn't hitting. It wasn't sinking. You understand what I'm trying to say here? You can go to church over and over and over again. It's just not sinking. It's just not hitting you, and you go on back to your life. But at this point in time, it was just kind of, well, how did we get from here to here? I remember after me and Matt left, we, we went back over it, went back over it, rewound, listened. Oh, That's what happened. Y'all are wondering what that is. It doesn't really matter. The point is, at the church, and this is an illustration about a brother within the church, he came to me, and I don't hold nothing against him, but he'd been studying on the feasts in the Old Testament, and he was convinced in his study of the feasts and all that that we should be keeping the feasts. That we should be, you know, we should have the Passover meal. We should do all of these things, you know, that we should still be doing all of that. And I remember I was busy with something with the soundboard or something, something in the sound booth, but I didn't spend a lot of time, and I I wasn't, I was just spiritually asleep. I just kind of let it slide. You know, and when you let something slide, sometimes it'll get a lot worse. We're seeing that with David. He's going to let something slide, and it's going to get a lot worse. So, Later on, he ended up leading a church. And I don't know if it was based off of that or what, but I mean, he just, in my opinion, he just wasn't ready to teach. But knowing what you believe, being willing to stand up for what you believe in the Bible, okay? What you believe about the gospel. Someone comes and tells you, and I'm keeping it simple, someone comes and tells you, well, you know, you got to do this and this and this, otherwise you're not going to heaven. I mean, you, man, when they did that to Martin Luther, he, he came back at them, came back at them with Scripture. If you ever get a chance to listen to uh, Here I Stand, Martin Luther's speech to the Catholic priest, Here I Stand. But uh, there's also the brethren inside the church. So look at uh, verse number... Verse number 12, verse number 11. 
It said, but when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that, certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. I share with you something I read, J. Vernon McGee. Y'all like him. Brother Charles got his books. I was reading J. Vernon McGee. He said, this is, this is kind of how it happened. He said, you know, Paul, they came to visit Paul, and they had the two different meals set up. They didn't want to offend the Jews, and they, they had the two different tables set up, you know, the one with the kosher food and the other with the, the Gentiles would eat at, and because they just didn't want to be offensive. You can read about that over in 1 Corinthians Chapter 8, maybe, where Paul talks about if meat maketh my brother to offend, I'll eat no meat while I yet live. If, if meat's going to hurt my brother's walk, I'm not going to eat it while I yet live. But it doesn't commend you to God, neither does it condemn you in God's eyes. So when Peter was there with Paul, with just Paul and the other brothers, he was eating at the table with the Gentiles. I said, man, I haven't had him in my whole life he said yeah you join us in the morning we'll have some bacon you ain't had nothing till you have bacon Paul's telling him yeah you know we've been having to avoid this they've been living it up wait till you have some of them pork rinds you know and uh, Peter and this is this is J. Vernon McGee's fault this illustration now but he said yeah yeah I'll meet you at breakfast but then he gets there at breakfast and he sees the other Jewish brethren that came from Jerusalem. And he sees them, and he, he goes over near the Gentile table, and he just kind of passes by and goes on over to the Jewish table, grabs that kosher food. And then when the others saw him do that, because Peter was a leader in the church, they followed him over there. Let me tell you something. You don't, if you don't stand for your doctrine... You're going to lead other people astray, too. You know, one of the hardest things I hear is, as a parent, what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. What you do as a mature Christian, if you're leading someone else, if you're edifying the body of Christ, remember we talked about that over in Ephesians? If you're leading someone in the Lord, and what you do in moderation, they're liable to do in excess. So Peter passes up that table and he goes over to the Jewish table to eat the kosher food. And Paul, he didn't let it happen. Verse 14, but when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all. He goes over there. He didn't wait till the meal was finished. He took care of it right there. He said, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. And there's the doctrine that I've been talking about. In this example, 
There's the doctrine. There's, there's other times in your life where there's going to be some other thing. It's just like the young the, the, the I say young. He might have been a little older than me. But he gets to studying, and he, he hadn't been saved too long. And he gets to studying in the Old Testament, and he's reading about the feast, and he said, man, we need to keep the feast. I didn't do right because I should have talked to him right then. I should have pulled him aside. But I just didn't have it. I'm, I'm still trying to process what he just told me. You ever, you ever have somebody hit you with something and you're like, well, you may not be as slow as I am. Somebody will tell you something and you're, you're like, wait a minute. Well, I got to do this. <laughs> I don't have time for it. And then next thing you know, he's leading a church. And it's never been corrected. But Paul didn't let it sit. He didn't let it go unanswered. And he, he rebuked Peter in front of the others. I used to see this as Paul getting in his face. And I, think, I think he was telling him in love, but he told him in front of all the others that were offended. He said, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the, let's see, verse number 14. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel... I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? In other words, being a Jew, you're eating over here with the Gentiles, but then you're compelling the Gentiles to eat as the Jews do. And this, I, th I think this really bothered Paul. I mean, it's obvious. He wrote the book of Galatians. And he starts off chapter number three. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? And then he begins to talk about the spirit and works. We'll look at that next week, probably in the same manner we did this morning. So, And we'll get back to preaching it sometime. And then he goes on about the doctrine. He said, verse number 17, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is therefore Christ a minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Paul knew what he believed. He knew why he believed it. He stood against false doctrine, and he was willing to rebuke the brothers. He was willing to correct it within his own circle. Because Peter, Peter had followed Jesus Christ. Peter was a leader of the apostles, of the, of the 12 apostles, and then later 11 apostles. But Peter was considered the head. And uh, Paul withstood him to the face. He said, it's not right, Paul. So let me ask you this morning, Christian. Do you know what you know? That's been coming up a lot over this summer. You know, some people don't know what they don't know. That's got me on a lot of things. You think you can turn a wrench, you can think you can tighten a screw, but you don't know what you don't know until you find out why you're not supposed to do that way. Then you know it. It's the same with Bible doctrine. If you don't know what you don't know, 
Somebody can lead you astray. Somebody can take you away from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Somebody can put you into bondage to them. And I've seen it, not personally, but just studying those cults. That's like the easiest example. There'll be a little bit of Bible, a little bit of Bible. And somebody sitting out there listening and say, well, I'm hearing them. They're quoting verses. They quoted one from over here, and they quoted one from over here. <coughs> it's so much better when you get the whole chapter in context, isn't it? Well, I'll still cherry pick now. <laughs> but based off the context that I'm seeing, because you can't help it. When you start reading about the law and grace, it's like, I told you, over here, Romans chapter 4, over here, Romans, Galatians chapter number 5, Galatians chapter number 2, well, Galatians 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> Ephesians, you just see it over and over and over again. And the theme is, you know, the grace and law. Why do you think God spent so much time on that? Telling you that it's through Christ alone that you are saved. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because that's where the starting point 